our task as a government is to protect the lives of Canadians. And in order to do that, we need to have modernized systems in place. We need to meaningfully contribute to NORAD and continental defense writ large. That was our defense minister, Anita Anand, yesterday announcing that Canada will spend $4.9 billion over the next six years to modernize continental defense, basically upgrade NORAD. She said, quote, as our threats evolve, so must our defensive capabilities. And what we aim to do this with this announcement today is to ensure that we across the board are encouraging in the most significant and relevant upgrade to Canadian NORAD capabilities in almost four decades. It seems like we have been ignoring this evolving threat for years. Back to talk about this again, Rob Hubert from the University of Calgary, one of the country's leading experts on Arctic defense, and the man that I thought of as soon as this announcement came down. Rob, thank you so much for your time again this morning. Oh, it's always my pleasure, Kelly. Let's start off um, with a fairly simple question, but I think it'll get us all on the same page. What's NORAD besides the system to track Santa's progress on Christmas Eve? It's one, well, not one. It's the critical point to keep nuclear war from starting. Um, NORAD was created back at the end of the 1950s, once the Soviet Union was clearly becoming an enemy and getting nuclear weapons. And once they developed missiles to, um, to be able to uh, fire the missiles, uh, the nuclear weapons at us, NORAD was necessary. And it was necessary in that the only way we could make sure that the Russians or the Soviets at the time never started was they had to know. We were going to know what they were going to do with enough time we could fire our missiles back at them and we could all die in mutual suicide. It sounds horrific, and it was called MAD, actually, Mutual Assured Destruction. But mm. most attribute the fact that we never had a nuclear war with the Soviets to the, just that knowledge that you were going to die with us. So what's our track record when it comes to defending the North? I mean, we had that system in place. Uh, that obviously got started when? In the, in the 50s? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, we had a whole series of radar systems and ultimately worked out with the Americans towards the end of the 50s on what's called the Dew Line, Distant Early Warning. And that ultimately was updated in 1985, and uh, we renamed it called the Northern Warning System. Um, and that's been it. How desperately needed is this spend? We're, we're, we're a complete weak link in the entire arctic ability to detect any type of threat from the soviet uh, from the russians the reality is we haven't updated it to meet any of the technologies never mind the most recent technologies that we're seeing showcased in you uh, in the resumption of the ukrainian war since 1985 uh, do you have a computer that you use from 1985 yeah uh, i don't know it's somewhere collecting dust in my parents basement probably yeah and that's what's dependent i mean the reality is, is first and foremost, um, you know, the, the defense minister has this narrative that things changed on uh, February 2022, and that's just simply wrong. It didn't change on, uh, on in February. It actually started changing at least since 2008, and, and if not sh- earlier. That's when, when the Russian government under Putin start using military force to expand their borders. And all these weapon systems that we now have to be alerted to, um, once again, they did not magically appear out of the air, even though that seems to be the narrative they're they're trying to create. 
each of these really start back in 202, 203. So we've had advance warning that the Russians have the capability, they have the intent. We're seeing that with the Chinese. And we've just sat on our hands. We haven't done anything. Everyone else, by the way, just so that we're clear, the Americans started recognizing that things had changed fundamentally after the war started in 2014. Let's just be very clear. The war, it's not an annexation. It's a war. 2014, people died when uh, Crimea and eastern Ukraine was seized. Um, and so the Americans start revamping some of their systems. That's why they're, they're, they're a little slower coming up with hypersonics, and, but it's still there. The, the, even the Finns and Swedes, uh, you know, neutrals presumably sign a, uh, an SOI, Statement of Intent, with the Americans, start allowing their fighters, bombers, naval, air, uh, naval uh, ships to operate from their bases. And once again, very quiet, but it's still done. We're the ones, once again, 1985 technology, haven't done anything. We keep promising, by the way. And, you know, the minister, you know, she's absolutely right when she says strong, secure, engage the security policy said we're going to do it, but here, what year is it? Oh, yeah, it's 2022, and we never put any money into it except for a little bit of research and development, and that's it. We're speaking with Rob Hubert, who is one of the country's leading experts on Arctic defense, about that spend announcement yesterday, $5 billion to update NORAD. What, what was, why, we, why have we been ignoring that there's a problem, Rob? I mean, clearly our government's not completely out of touch. Is it that they are trying to uh, curry favor with uh, people that live in Canada, us believing that we are peacekeepers, uh, you know, we're not going to war? Or do we buy into that underdog theory? Like, there's n- it's just Canada. There's nothing there that anybody really wants. What is it that's leading us to, to drag our feet and be so lackadaisical until now when it comes to the fact that we are in a pretty primo spot to be invaded from the north? Yeah. Well, it won't be a land invasion. Let's just be very clear on that. That's why, you know, this is a narrative that many people say, oh, well, the, you know, the Russians can't really invade, so be happy, don't worry. Where our space is of critical importance is the maritime and aerospace dimension. In other words, if you're going to fire a missile at the Americans, you have to fire a missile over us. Uh, we're basically there. It's geography. Mm-hmm. And the reason why successive Canadian governments have been able to ignore it or put, you know, just basically cover their their hands and whistle past the graveyard is because of the Americans. The Americans will ultimately provide for the security of North America, but the question always becomes, to what cost? The second factor is that defense doesn't get votes. I mean, if you have a government, as we have right now, that is all about retaining power for power's sake, and I don't think that's hard to argue, um, you, you can basically set the narrative that we're peacekeepers and therefore we don't need all this other stuff. And, and what happens to the Georgians? What happens to the Taiwanese? What happens to the Ukrainians is terrible, but it's nothing to do with us. And no one would ever do that against us, right? So you create a narrative. And the third thing is, if you, it, you know, as, as the defense expenditure to make clear, to do it, as all of the European Nordic countries know, as the Americans know, it is expensive. And so if you're trying to, to, to spend on other priorities, and once again, that's the whole function of a government, uh, you have to then make choices. You just can't just spend without any recourse. And, and so if you're going to spend the five, five billion over six years, and it's important point, it's over six years, mm-hmm. um, and, and you, 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 it's going to come from something else. And, and Canadian governments 
because of the ultimate dependence on the Americans, tend to basically be freeloaders in this context. When we last spoke three months ago, and I would encourage people to go back if you can, if you're interested in, in what Rob's talking about, take a little listen to uh, the last interview and conversation we had. It is up on uh, wherever you download your podcast. I believe it was on the 16th of March, if memory serves correctly. Uh, you mentioned we're dealing with a new geopolitical environment, and you punctuated how important it is that Canada work as a collective with other countries like Sweden and Finland and Norway and Denmark. Will this $5 billion spend announced yesterday by the feds be enough to change our image as the weak link in that collective? Or do you think they're still going to be looking at us like, oh, come on, get get it up to gear here, Canada? Well, we have an important NATO meeting, meeting coming. And so the polite meetings, you know, whenever the media is around, everybody will say, OK, well, good on you, Canada. You're, you're, you're spending. No, no, you know, what they'll be thinking is, oh, my God, are you actually going to do it? I mean, mm. just, just as an aside, I mean, you were covering this yesterday. Did you get any printed material with any details from the government? And that in my mind, sets off warning bells that this is about meeting the appearances for the next meeting of NATO next week or the week after. You know, if, if you're serious, you at the very least are going to respect your own national media and say, okay, here's the background or here's the briefing. Here's what shows this, uh, this alleged $4.9 billion is different from the uh, $6.1 billion that we promised before. And be clear, I mean, they're, they're, they keep coding this number of $8 billion in the budget. $2 billion of that is admiration. That's like paying off your credit card. That's not new money so, or on new projects. So uh, let's just be clear, it's $6 billion from the budget. And we're still not entirely clear if the 4.9 represents an additional new money or if it's part of that $6.1 billion. This is uh, interesting stuff, uh, Rob. Um, you you have mentioned before, and you know we've talked about this. The time is of the essence. Russians in recent years have been running exercises, and they, they're uh, dipping their toe into our northern Canadian space. And uh, we spoke about airspace already. Can you describe what's going on? Because I think there's a water piece of uh, surveillance that I keep hearing about. That there's a possibility of subs actually just be hanging around that we're unaware of in the Arctic, or are we aware of it and we just don't want to know? Well, it's too expensive. Um, the bottom line is, is one of the first things that Putin did when he started reinvesting, once, the oil and, once he got control of oil and gas, uh, and that was the first thing he did to consolidate power in, in 2000, once he got control of oil and gas, he used that money to expand the defense budget. So we go all the way back to 2000. First thing they did was modernize their, their submarine force. And one of the instruments of submarines, everyone always thinks, okay, you've got an attack sub and you've got a sub that carries nuclear bombs. There's a third category, and they carry cruise missiles. And notice how everyone's talking about hypersonic and cruise missiles. And I'm glad that at least the defense minister has, has keyed in that that is, in fact, a new technology that has to be responded. But one of the ways that you carry your hypersonics is not just simply carrying it in a bomber or launching it from a ground base, but you carry it in your submarines. They're called SSGNs. And so the big thing that we don't have any knowledge of is their ability to come up to our northern water approaches. They're also working on a torpedo system that carries a, a nuclear weapon that can, it's, it's said to go over 200 knots. It's called a Poseidon. And the Russians are claiming it has ranges in the thousands of kilometers. So 
they've got all these technologies that they're talking about. What are they not talking about? And we're not really doing anything on the maritime side. Let me ask you this, Robin. I only have a few seconds left with you. Is it possible they're talking a good game? Because we know that the Russians' military might has been uh, exposed as not as great as they've been leading it, uh, the world to believe when it comes to Ukraine. Don't believe that. Look at their way of war. They always put their weakest systems up first. They did it in Chechnya. They did it in Georgia. They did it in Syria. Do not let those that are saying, okay, we can evaluate it on the basis of the resumption of fighting from February. That's not how the Russians fight. And so when you're talking about their strategic weapons capability, we, we don't simply know that. But um, I, are you willing to bet, especially when Putin starts talking about waging nuclear war against us, that in fact that that is their best? So, no, you've got to be really careful on that one. Yeah, I'm willing to leave it up to the experts like you. Rob, uh, it's been extremely illuminating for some people, terrifying, but we can't pull the sheets over our heads and hide. We have to make sure that we are aware of all the threats to us, especially in the far north. Thank you so much for joining us. Always my pleasure, Kelly.